0: It's the afternoon cruise here on Jazz 88. I'm chatting with Lila Biali, who is back out on the road supporting a new album called Your Requests. We've been hearing the tune Pennies from Heaven here on Jazz 88, but we'll be hearing her in person. She's coming to town on Saturday for a show over at Crooners. This is uh, one of three visits she's done in recent times to the Twin Cities. Lila Biali, welcome back to Jazz 88, and so glad you're coming to town. How are you doing today?
1: I'm well. It's kind of been a crazy summer thus far, but... All all is well. I'm loving touring and I'm super excited about coming back to Minneapolis.
0: When anybody from Canada says crazy summer, I think, is it because there is smoke all over your own personal home or has it been crazy for entirely other reasons up there in Canada?
1: Well, it's been busy. I've been back across the country, back and forth across the country a few times on tour doing the jazz festival circuit, which is often the case for Canadian jazz musicians, but also international jazz musicians. So that's what I mean by crazy, but Sean, you are right that there have been times when the smoke this year has been pretty intense and actually our outdoor concert in Toronto got relocated because of air quality, which is something that we're actually not used to here in Toronto. So that was kind of a bummer living up to our name, the big smoke.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I can't guarantee you environmental purity when you get back here because we've certainly had some struggles this summer in the Mm -hmm. Twin Cities with smoke. Uh, But what we haven't had struggles with is falling in love with this new record, Your Requests. Let's talk about the fact that this is one of your first times in recent years diving into other people's material. What was the inspiration for that and how has it felt to do that in a recorded format?
1: Uh, Those are great questions. So, yeah, I, I... Have released a lot of original music over the years, but I started off covering jazz standards when I, you know, transitioned from classical music to jazz. I initially wanted to be a concert pianist and then segued to jazz uh, in my college years. And so, in a way, this is a return to my roots. But it's been a solid—I mean, ten plus years since I've done taken on the great American songbook in a meaningful way. And because in the past few years. I've made a game of asking people what songs they want to hear us do. I decided that I would throw it open to fans online and my community on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter and ask them what they want to hear. And so, with the focus of the Great American Songbook, I queried my people and they said, I actually got 150 requests, which is amazing uh, and it was also overwhelming. So, I whittled it down to my top 10. And some of them, some of the tunes that ended up on the album, I had actually previously arranged, but but like 15 plus years ago, for example, Bye Bye Blackbird. And so I dusted them off and uh, polished them up. And we jumped into the studio without rehearsal, <laughs> my band and I, and almost like we were at a live jazz show, we, we captured the tunes. And there are a number of special guests, which is something that I've done previously, but usually instrumentalists only whereas on this album you know Kurt Elling joins me on My Funny Valentine and he's a hero of mine so that was really special and Emily Claire Barlow who actually sold out two shows at Crooners in March with her own new album so she's on there uh, singing on My Favorite Things and because you mentioned Pennies from Heaven the great young singer Katie George who's totally making waves and I guess because she's the right generation she's got like hundreds of thousands of followers on TikTok so that's really exciting it's fun to have her involved.
0: With doing songs that have a a history much longer than your own personal history or my own personal history, I can imagine that either ratcheting up the pressure or releasing the pressure. It, when Lila Bialy is going into the studio to make her own music, she has to be nervous about whether the material is good and whether the performances are good. It seems like looking at this list of songs, it's been agreed, this material is good, right? These <laughs> these are, it, it, if it's bad, it's your fault. It ain't the tunes fault, right? Like, and it ain't bad, I'm not saying that. But I wanted to ask, you know, you, you go in without rehearsal, is that is that partially because you go, my team knows these songs. I know these songs. This is something I've done on stages for decades. I can figure out my way into them in the studio. Or do you go, I'm recording the greatest songs on earth. I better bring my A-est game possible because I'm the only X Factor. You know, how do you how do you yeah, balance those two? No,
1: that's I mean, definitely a bit of a conundrum there. So I would say it's both and. Um, so on the one hand, there is pressure that comes with, you know, adding my take to these songs that have absolutely stood the test of time. And as you say, you know, they are successful on their own terms. And if I get in there and bollocks it up, you know, it's it's on me. But, you know, I would say, Sean, in that case, it's a matter of taste. So my responsibility, I felt and feel was and is to bring something unique and my own voice to the table I could just sing these tunes the way that they've been covered for decades, but I actually think that would be even harder because then you have to have like Samara Joy's voice or Cécile mm-hmm. McLorin Salvant, like, and even they are bringing their own voice to things as well. However, they sing the songs in a, a slightly more straightforward way and they have these like iconic voices, both of them, right? Um, whereas for me, Um, You know, I'm a seasoned singer as well, but I feel my strengths are what I do as an arranger and as a pianist. And so I thought, well, let's let's see what we can do with these songs that brings them into new territory. Now, traditionalists may not come on board with me, um, but there will be a lot of folks and there are quite a few out there who say, oh, man, thank goodness Lila has done these tunes her way. Um, We know how Chet Baker sings My Funny Valentine. I'm not going to beat that. But can Kurt Elling and I bring a new perspective that perhaps brings the song into a slightly new light? You know, is that possible? Well, some people have said that it is, that in their view, it was successful. And again, there will always be those who who are tied to those iconic original versions. And w- what are the original versions? I mean, to, 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 if we're gonna really go to the original versions, we're talking about the debut of these songs on Broadway, right, like way back when, or on the silver screen, when they were written during the 40s and 50s. Um, and those versions would be quite different <laughs> from the ones that we know in, in jazz. But yeah, it was daunting, but also it felt like an opportunity.
0: Well, we certainly enjoy what came of it, and we love playing the tune, Pennies from Heaven, here on Jazz 88. I'm chatting with Lila Bialy. She's getting ready for a show on Saturday over at Crooners. And now, Lila, you were talking about some of your strengths as an arranger. But listen, your phone rings for your pipes as well, including some work that you've done with Sting. So I was wondering, you know, this this is somebody who, there's not a radio station on planet Earth that doesn't know something about Sting. In fact, we're playing the Hazelrigg Brothers uh, cover of King of Pain right now as well. So tell me a little bit about uh, your dish on Sting, so to speak. So.
1: I remember you and I talking about it on the last time. And there has actually, there has been some updates since. So firstly, um, there is actually a direct tie-in to this record where Sting is concerned. And so this is definitely some dish for you and your listeners. All right. He was actually the one I initially approached about singing a duet with me on My Funny Valentine. The reason being... I know I knew that he had recorded that song, he loves jazz. So Sting is a total jazz fan. In fact, if you look him up on Wikipedia, he's described as jazz rock, <laughs> whatever that is. He loves jazz and he's always worked with jazz musicians. And I think it's one of the reasons that he brought me into the fold and has remained in touch and continues to work with me on and off, which is just an honor. So I asked him, would you sing on My Funny Valentine? And he said, okay, well, I would love to sing with you. So I'm, I'm like, wow, that's fantastic. Putting that in my back pocket. But he said, I would love to do, I would love to hear what you do with one of my songs. So he challenged me to arrange one of his tunes. I'm not going to spill the beans on what that song is, but for heaven's sake, I need to get to it and do it sooner than later so I can record with him, you know, and strike while the iron is hot. So then once I knew that Sting wouldn't be the voice, the second voice on My Funny Valentine, I approached Kurt Elling, who certainly... Is not second choice. He's an equal, especially in the jazz world, to Sting. Although Sting, of course, is better known in mainstream circles. And yeah, so that's what that's what's cooking up with Sting right now. I mean, we've been working now on and off for, since 2009. Uh, since my son was, you know, but a twinkle in my husband's eye, <laughs> we actually got pregnant while I was on tour with Sting. And so my, my I was growing in birth uh, and with child while working with Sting and Sting was so sweet about it. He's just a beautiful family man. And when Josh was born, he actually sent us a Sting onesie. There are Sting onesies out there for those of you interested. And I remember bringing Josh side stage in Toronto when Sting was coming through with his Symphonicities project. And he kept coming off stage during the show, Sting did and rubbing josh's back he was just so thrilled it was like josh was already part of the family so he he's a very special person
0: it also sounds lila like he's got some some branding priorities oh i'll sing with you if it's my song oh and congratulations on the new baby here's one of my branded onesies i feel like the man definitely has his own you know line of jams then jellies that he sends out around the holidays or something like that uh oh, let's- oh my gosh! well
1: can I- sorry to jump in um well we got his his Il Palagio he has his estate in Tuscany which is where I first met him and rehearsed with him like hello the stuff of dreams right bucket list item number one so we're in Il Palagio and that Christmas he sent us Il Palagio wine Il Palagio honey so you were abs- you are absolutely <laughs> right
0: Sean you're is on the pulse. <laughs> now now you're right Kurt Elling is somebody who is probably often not somebody's second choice on a song. He's one of the most well-regarded vocalists of this generation of of jazz singers. What was it like for you to share space with him? Cuz you're no slouch. I'm not I'm not taking away, but I'm saying ultimately you get that truth of what does your voice sound like behind a microphone? And you two are Really great. What was it like to share a legendary song with an iconic vocalist like Kurt Elling?
1: So here's how it went down. I, so we recorded the band, we recorded my part and we, we integrated Kurt remotely. It's something okay. that we've learned to do through pandemic, right? Yep. And he's such a pro that he sent us what he did. It was a final take. And when he sent it to us, my husband and co-producer Ben Whitman and I, we sat down together. In fact, Ben texted me, he previewed the track first and he texted me and he said, "Um, I don't know if we can use this. And I was like, oh, what do you mean? (laughs) And here's, it ended up being the highest compliment in the end. Um, Kurt did not and does not sing a single note of the melody in his version. So I sing the melody, my funny valentine, sweet comic valentine, you make me smile with my heart. Like, hello melody, iconic melody. Kurt comes in and it's like, you are my funny valentine. See, like he just goes off-roading from start to finish. And so Ben and I were like, oh my gosh, my, my, my version, Because we're we're passing off the baton to one another, right? Mine is so plain, and then he comes in with all the juicy goods, and and it was like, can we find a middle road? So here's what we did, Sean. He it was like, you know, I see you and I raise you one is what he did, right? (laughs) And so we went back into the studio, Ben and I, which is our home studio, thank God. And I recut my vocal because I was like, there's no way. And I tried to just add, we call them discovery takes. And so instead of just singing the song right down the middle, it was like, well, what can I, how can I honor this melody? And, you know, the original writers, which is the, uh, it's one of my goals as an arranger. You don't want to completely turn the thing on its head, Um, but then play around enough to meet Kurt In outer space (laughs) and and so i actually am super proud of where it landed and as only kurt could do he pushed me and and he he's he's just a master and what he did was he was unapologetically himself and that is why we brought him into the fold because we wanted kurt we didn't want kurt trying to sing as lila bialy imagined he might sing. It's like, no, bring us Kurt. Yeah. And we had this experience with a- Ambrose Akin Misere on uh, a couple of albums ago. He is like a super strong voice and has toured with Greg Osby, he's very edgy. And we wanted him to be on my self-titled album. And it was the same thing. Like he sent us his tracks, he recorded remotely in, in the Bay area. And there was such an edge to his takes. We ended up using two out of the five songs he recorded on because three just went a little too far for us. But we appreciated it was successful because Ambrose was himself. Right. So what a lesson, right? Like you can't actually change these musicians. They are so truly themselves, like that they are only ever going to be able to be themselves and not, you know, sort of fill another role that's expected of them. And that, that's strength. That's strength in musicianship.
0: I'm chatting with Lala Bayali. I got through my questions, but you just said something that makes me want to ask one more question, and then and then we'll make sure everybody knows about this show, which again is Saturday, July twenty second, which is this Saturday over at Crooners. You have this duty to let the song be itself. You have this duty to have your guests be themselves. How do you make sure you be yourself?
1: Oh, Sean, you really these are these are amazing questions. And that's a big one for me because, and you might recall this from our, our last interview uh, last year, you know, I am someone who has struggled over the decades with feeling like I fall between the cracks, genre-wise, right. right? Where I'm too pop for jazz or too jazz for pop. Who am I? And I guess when I released the self-titled album back in in 2018, the statement was, you know, I I honor and love jazz and it is absolutely a part of who I am and what I do. But I also love playing in other sandboxes and I want to see how everything can kind of mix and mingle and where we might then be able to create something new. And so I think I still live in that space now with your request, the most recent album, it was and is definitely more firmly in the jazz lane. Um, but there's still some of that spirit of, of um, I don't know, something that pushes and reaches a little bit outside of jazz. And I think that's actually one of our strengths in live performance as well. For those who love jazz, and, and I know so many of your listeners do, Um, They'll come and be satisfied because they're going to get to hear those classics and they're going to hear improvisation and they're going to hear music that's in the moment, but there will also be storytelling and ways in which we try to bring the music to them that is warm and unique and really personal. And I think as I've gotten older, I mean, I'm now 42, I'm able to stand more unapologetically in who I am even when that means standing a little bit in the cracks. And I'm okay with that now. (laughs) In fact, it's something I would say I'm even proud of.
0: Well, you know what? you got a lot to be proud of, and the cracks seem to be pretty fruitful. We're yeah. loving the new album, Your Request. The show is on Saturday over at Crooners. Lila, I hope I get to talk to you every July. I hope every July you come back to the Twin Cities and we get to uh, connect and, uh, and chat in advance of your shows. Thank you, chatting with Jazz88, and good luck with the performance on Saturday over at Crooners.
1: You are an absolute delight, Sean. And I want to also say thank you to, to Patty Peterson and others who've been supporting my work on the station. So grateful to, to Jazz 88 and the amazing work you're doing as broadcasters.
0: All right, Lila, you have a beautiful day and thank you for being with us.
1: Thank you, Sean. You too.